Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview two executives from the LAFC, your top MLS teams. So we have Gavin Benderfield, the head of performance, and then we have Jason Han, the head of rehabilitation and team physical therapist. So Gavin and Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Julian, thanks so much for having us. I appreciate it, Great. thank you. Great, so thank you guys. So uh, what I'd like to talk to you about today is first we'll talk about your background and then we'll discuss your roles at LAFC. And then we'll talk about the importance of technologies uh, as well as your favorite technologies and how you guys uh, choose you know, different technologies, right? What are the criteria for that? And then lastly, we'll talk about the best players and coaches that you guys work with. How does it sound? Yeah, that sounds like fun. Great. So uh, the first question for you guys is, could you tell us about your background? Yeah, I'll jump in first here. Um, so um, my background is in exercise physiology and in plays rehabilitation. Um, I studied yeah. in South Africa, in Cape Town, uh, in and amongst the Winelands. So that was a great place to study in. In between classes go and taste some wine so uh, yeah a great, great start to the education i then actually didn't get into football that was not my first pro professional career um, mm -hmm. i went into cricket so i went yeah. into bangladesh i was there for three years with their national cricket team um, obviously as a south african loved the sport loved the atmosphere i think we had a hundred thousand people in the stadium for our first test match bangladesh versus a hundred thousand people a hundred thousand people, yeah, that wow. was, and I don't think the stadium can hold a hundred thousand people. So okay. it was a wild three years, and I came back to South Africa. Thought I would stay in cricket, but very quickly uh, a soccer or football opportunity became available, and that's where my journey started with with soccer and through the Ajax system to Ajax Amsterdam very briefly in in the premier league with watford and then yeah. since 2018 um i've been here at lafc so that was our inaugural year so i'm, I'm still one of the originals from day one my mm -hmm. friend here, jason as well but i'll get him to to chat about his journey and how he got to lafc well thank you gavin so jason um i'm a board certified sports physical therapist uh, strength and conditioning coach um, my past experiences, as far as being a physio, I spent some time in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. um, with Cirque du Soleil, so uh, performing mm -hmm. arts, so a, a wide variety of things. Um, I would say I started off in athletics. My, my interest in athletics was because I was an athlete. I started off, I was with the U.S. national team for Taekwondo for seven years. So, you know, I had the honor of representing our country. Um, and from there on, I went on to uh, study physical therapy. Um, like Gavin, like soccer slash football was, I played AYSO growing up as a first grader. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but Taekwondo basically took up my entire childhood. So I transitioned to that. So yeah. I had the opportunity in 2018 to join this club. Um, so like I'm one of the OGs with Gavin here, but it's, it's been a great experience so far. And um, basically integrating all the past experiences to this and to learn from someone like Gavin, who's, who's been around the block too. So it's, so it's been a great experience. Yeah, and you guys seem to have a very diverse background, right? I mean, you talk about cricket, you know, you were in Taekwondo, I mean, Cirque du Soleil, so that's very diverse. Yeah, I think the, the diversity is important as well. I, I value that also when looking at people to join the team. Um, I like people yeah. coming from a different angle, different perspective. Yes, uh, having a football background is, it's great, but it does not exclude people that come from dis different disciplines because different disciplines yeah. teach us a lot as well. Different, different sports, individual sports, team sports, um, sports that are in explosive in nature, sports that are endurance in nature. Like we could get so self-consumed in our little bubble of football that we don't, we don't learn from anyone else. And so, yeah, having diverse backgrounds is actually, it's refreshing, it's helpful um, in the work that we do. No, that makes sense. Um, now, could you guys walk me through kind of your kind of your day to day, right? Your role at LAFC? Yeah, um, it's pretty easy. I think that all football clubs around the world somewhere start with a, a morning medical meeting or a medical and performance meeting. So we're at the club uh, pretty early around 630, 645. Um, wow. it's early. We, we make a good cup of coffee um, and then guys start coming in. We have our first meeting by 7.30, and that's kind of our, our medical and performance meeting. Uh, mm -hmm. We really value connecting every day, um, spending time discussing players, discussing the plan of the day, so that when the players arrive, we're, we're ready, right? The second cup of coffee is hit already. We're, we're bouncing. We're bringing the energy as well. So yeah. for me, as kind of director of performance, um, I play a role on the floor, so on the work floor as well. So I'm kind of the second strength and conditioning coach for us. But it's it's what you would expect. It's strategizing, planning the day, planning the loads, uh, staying in communication with the coaches, reviewing the session. I mean, just if you evaluate a, a football game, it's 90 minutes. Yeah. There's hours and hours beforehand, during and afterwards that have maybe more than a hundred staff members running around to put on this mm -hmm. 90 minute show. It's not much different at a football club. So a lot of hours are spent before training is even the first ball is kicked in training and a lot of hours are spent afterwards, but it's all that the detail in the planning and making sure that we connect and communicate well to yeah. create the best environment for the players to perform, create the best environment that we can reduce injuries. So yeah, the day starts early. Generally, it ends early in the sense of players leave quite soon um, after lunch, after this, mm -hmm. we don't have a second session here with uh, LA, but it's, it's very intentional and it's very team orientated just with the different uh, disciplines that we have here at the club. Yeah, that makes sense. And, but I'm sure when you guys, sorry, when you guys are on the road, then, you know, you, you obviously you stay more with your players, right? You see them more throughout the day. Uh, so it's a bit, the scary, I'm sure it's very different, a bit different when you're traveling, right? I think on the road, yes, traveling, you get those additional opportunities. You get more conversation time with the players. 
Um, it, it is always just in and around the game. So you're trying to keep the game as the main focus as well. But yeah, there is a lot more interaction opportunities uh, with players on the road. But each day is purposeful. Each day has got its specific uh, purpose that we're trying to achieve. And as we know, as we start getting towards game day, it is mostly yeah. just around the fine tuning of the engines and making sure the guys are ready to perform at their highest level. Yeah, I yeah. think I'll, I'll second on what Gavin had talked about earlier of, of, about the importance of the morning meeting. And, and I think good clubs, good teams, that communication is key. And then we always talk about having a temperature of the, of the, of the players and mm -hmm. always there. Um, lucky enough, the medical, I don't know if it's lucky, but in the training room, there's a lot of players and that's where a yeah. lot of the banter happens. That's when we have a gauge of where they are um, emotionally. Um, so that's why like the morning meeting or even the wrap up meetings after training are key because mm -hmm. We're constantly having that temperature of the team and then planning what the day looks like. And if something doesn't look right, let's say um, the data comes in as far as uh, the aura ring and then some players are not sleeping as well as, as they should, then we communicate with each other. Hey, why don't you check in with them and see what's going on? Um, so it's like it's that communication throughout the day when we're home via texts it's it's key to having a successful team and players yeah that makes sense and you mentioned you know for example the ura ring right so and how they feel in the morning so do you have maybe like a wellness questionnaire a wellness questionnaire they have to take in the morning so they can tell you how they feel and then how do you do you guys maybe compare that against your actual data like the ura ring for example right the sleep data you see sometimes divergence between <clears throat> what they're telling you how they feel versus the actual data yeah, I think that that happens that happens more often than what we actually expect. Um, and I don't think that that is a problem with the aura data. It's a conversation that I have with players all the time. When we wake up and we think, hey, there was a fantastic sleep, we're only going on our subjective feeling. We're not looking, we're actually not basing it on what was our resting heart rate, what was our heart rate variability, how effective was our sleep. We, we could just have woken up in the right sleep cycle. This morning I woke up, I was a little groggy. I didn't really feel refreshed because I was actually, the timing of my wake up wasn't optimal, for instance. So um, we do, Aura is one of the technologies that we do use. Um, mm -hmm. I've played around with wellness questionnaires. The, the players that are not on Aura, they do do a wellness questionnaire. I think that the wellness questionnaire sometimes becomes too repetitive for players where the Aura mm -hmm. ring is, it's something they wear, right? It's something they wear, yeah. they don't have, anything else except sync the data on their phone. Um, so I'll give you a practical example. Today was our uh, match day minus four. It was the first day back after an off day. Tomorrow's our big conditional loading day. So we're using aura data, how ready are the players for a conditional day, as well as our jump data, because um, we jump on match day minus four. What's their jump data telling us? What's their aura data, data telling us? And then also with our technology, What's happening in the training room when we have the circle up meetings at the end of the day, like the guys may say, wow, the guys really look gassed today or they really just they didn't mm -hmm. look for it. And then we've got to make the evaluation, make the decision. Are we ready for a high conditional loading day or do we need to go yeah. to the coaching staff and say maybe we need to trim one set out of the, the plan because 
the bulk of the players are not in a good space and we can always do some stuff individually with some of the other guys so it's the combination of technology as well as experience as well as conversation as well as just a keen eye to make the judgment at the end of the day right yeah that makes sense um now you know you, you just talked about technology so which brings my next question right so how important are technology to help you guys uh re- I don't like to say prevent injuries, uh, but also help you to improve the player's performance. So how important are technology to you guys? I think that we, we're an organization that's innovative. I think that we're an organization that uh, enjoys the exploration of technology and bringing new technologies on board. We do have a strategy in terms, maybe we'll talk about that later, but technology for me is like, uh before i got my new 4k 180p whatever all the numbers are on the television that i got i upgraded my television like two years ago right but before that i had a television it was probably like eight years old it was a 32 inch and i still watched the movies on the on that television but there was not as much clarity there was not as much depth of view the experience was not exactly the same and i think you could almost use technology in the same light you, you could do things with very little technology. And I think if you just are attentive and you work hard and you've got good communication with your players, I think that budget should never be a restriction. Oh, we don't have budget for technology, so we're not going to advance. Yeah, just because you got all the toys in the kitchen doesn't mean that you're actually a decent chef, right? You could get rid of all the toys in the kitchen. So, but for us at LAFC, we, we, we value technology. We, we don't jump into every technology that is brought across our plate. We, we do have a filtering system of how we do that. We think that technology can add clarity and date and kind of purpose into what we're doing. But even in what we discussed before, it's a balance between technology and our own experience, our own gut feel, our own communication with the players. So Jason, uh, what is your take or how important are technology to you? I think technology is great, but it has to fit the team or the, or the staff that is trying to implement it. Um, I think that number one, we value each other's knowledge and mm-hmm. the cohesiveness of that. And essentially the, the technology that we at least trial has to fit within the way that we do things. And I I look at technology as as a tool to answer some questions that we may have Mm -hmm. um, to help clarify certain things for us. So so absolutely, I think it's very important, but there's there's people reaching out to us every other day about a new technology. So it's number one, we look at it to see if it fits what we need to accomplish. And then we talk amongst ourselves to figure out if it's something we want to try. But when it does hit, I think it's an amazing addition to what we do. Yeah. And then you, I think you were mentioning the workflow, right? If it doesn't fit the workflow, yeah. you have to make those guys sit for like, you know, 10 minutes to take a, a picture, like using like thermography, for example, right? I mean, not about, maybe it's not the right example, but it has to fit into the routine, right? Because if it doesn't, it's just not going to work. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think the same The same can be said for if someone walks into your organization or into yeah. your, even in your weight room and walks into your weight room and they can't immediately pick up what is important to you 
based on what you have in your weight room. I think yeah. all that you've had is you've had a whole bunch of salesmen come and sell you different pieces of equipment. Like, yeah. and literally that's happened to me. I'll start at the club. I'll go in, I'll speak to all the strength and conditioning coach and I'll go like, what is this? What is this space? What is this equipment saying about you saying about us? And we literally mm -hmm. would take almost all the equipment out of the room. Yeah. And we would bring the pieces back one at a time. And if we can't, come up with a good enough reason why this piece of equipment should be in the gym mm -hmm. it doesn't come back in again and i think sometimes with technologies the same thing happens is there are just too many technologies out there and i don't think teams are always ready to adopt a new technology yeah. it may not have the capacity it may not be the right timing your population group your your athletes that you're working with may not benefit from that technology it's not that the technology is not good but it may not be the best time for that technology to be brought in uh, to the organization because then you just become a, a showroom of all the cool gadgets and the cool technologies. And it's not cheap, right? And sometimes when there's a turnover, there's a new staff coming in because of a new coach, and then those technologies are still under contract, but nobody's using them, right? That's it. Um, and I've seen a study, I was reading a study from uh, on NCA teams. So they bought wearable technology, 70% of those NCA teams were using the wearables every week. 30% who bought it never used the wearables every week. 30%. Yeah. Why? Lack of trust in the data, doesn't fit the workflow, whatever reason, right? Yeah. But we don't talk about that as much. Everybody wants to get the latest and the greatest, but you know, are you actually using those things? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, which brings my, my next question. So what are you guys, what are your favorite technology that you guys use and why? Um, so on the performance side, like we have several technologies. I think that um, Catapult is a favorite of mine. Um, I use them in Europe. Um, we are using them currently. Um, they're, they're a great service provider. Like at the end of the day, the, I think the GPS technologies are getting so close that there's not a lot of distinguishing factors hardware-wise. Yeah. But it comes down to the background software, the workflow, mm -hmm. the communication, the support services, that that almost becomes the kind of decision-making factor. And, and yeah, Catapult's been great to us and we're gonna continue working with them. Yeah. Um, First Beats, First Beats our heart rate provider. Um, although it costs us way more money to use them than other providers. Really? Just because the, yeah, the, the uh software platform alone it's not the hardware but to get the software platform and the team dashboard and such it, it costs a lot yep. of money so we made a decision to spend more than what we could have if we used another technology mm -hmm. but we just want the richness of the data the the ease of use um again the service um back it's the backed up services is phenomenal as well mm -hmm. Mm. Aura, we mentioned earlier, um, Aura, I, I was an early adopter. I was knocking on their door when they were still at kind of generation one. And I was mm -hmm. like, hey, you guys have got something special here. I think it's easy for athletes to use. I think the richness of the data is is fantastic. Um, yeah. And we, we use that a lot as our how well are players responding to the training loads, to the travel mm -hmm. stress, to just home stress, to physical, mental stress. And it, it's a great conversation starter. It's non-invasive and the players really respond respond well to it. Um, yeah. so I'd probably put those as my kind of favorite three. I know that mm -hmm. we use uh, Force Frame 
from Veld Performance, uh, my head strength and conditioning coach. He he geeks out on that and he loves it, and we mm -hmm. use it a lot in part of our strength training. So we we almost try and make technologies fit the workflow rather than creating a another station that someone has to go to to go and get checked out by this technology or checked out to this technology. It's, it's almost integrated into the the workflow of what we're actually doing. So. For instance, one of the one of the strength stations today in our, our weight room session was the force frame. Mm -hmm. uh, just wanted to do some repeat measurements of some baseline values that we had gotten in the preseason, and so it wasn't an additional assessment. It just created almost a, an additional station in the gym circuit that we were doing today. That's great. So thank you, Gavin. So what about you, Jason? What other things, the technology that you like to use? From the medical side, I think the top two where it would be hyperbaric oxygen therapy. That's one. Um, and number two would be our class four laser. We use a light force laser. And, and I say those two because I, as a staff, I think we, I, I feel we're really good with our hands. I think mm -hmm. we're really good with our exercise prescription or whatnot, but we always wanted to find something that could help our players heal faster from a mm -hmm. cellular level at least. Um, and in having some experience using hyperbaric oxygen therapy, um, I felt it was a great way, either pre or post surgery, um, to general recovery, to even having some older players when we have a congested schedule and how do we, how do we turn these guys around as fast as we do? So, yeah. um, I think that was, those are the top two that stick in my mind as far as what we've implemented as of late. That's great. So, which kind of bring my next question. We talk about a little bit about uh, kind of the decision factors, right? When you guys decide to adopt a new technology, what's important to you? Is it because there's some research behind it? Uh, they've done some studies. Is it because of the quality of the product, the accuracy, the reliability, or what is it? What, what do you guys look at when you buy something new? Yeah, I think for us, and I think that Jason would confirm this, especially with the HBOT. So, before I put a single aura ring on a player's finger, I used it for six months and I oh, yeah. looked at, I looked into the data. I was like, yeah, you know what? This night I went out and enjoyed three glasses of wine. Man, my HRV just tanked on that day. So I almost mm -hmm. had to convince myself that what the data was telling me, I could stand behind because as soon as you can't believe the data and what this data is telling a player. How are you going to try and change behavior or uh, adjust any kind of thing in your loading programming if you don't stand behind the data 100%? Because I've worked with other other uh, data providers and, and even in other organizations where they are they're too eager to adopt the data or the technology really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you're actually just trying to BS your way out of the data like the data says you're fantastic you're fully ready to go but this guy just played extra time in the game last night 120 minutes and now this technology is saying like hey you're ready to be fully loaded the next day like how can i stand behind that data i, I can't yeah. for me the biggest principle was i need to be convinced i'm going to test it out on myself uh jason's probably going to say the same with the hbot so maybe jump in yeah, yeah. i I've had experience with HBOT for the last year and a half. And it was like Gavin said, it, it has to work for me and the people mm -hmm. that I've put put it in ultimately. 
And then, so when we present, obviously technology is not cheap. So when, you're, when we presented mm -hmm. it at the club, at least last year, instead of diving all the way in and purchasing one, it was like, okay, can we rent one? Can we try it out for um, our, our two to three months for our, playoff run. Yeah. for our playoff run? I was like, okay, if there's a time to do it, this is, this is the time. And then we had to justify the reasons to do so. So mm -hmm. uh, we had a great end to the season last year. So it gave us a little bit more ammo when it came to this year where we we're like, hey, even more congested schedule. Maybe we, this is something that we can invest in. Um, so like Gavin said, we, we look at the research, but at the end of the day, it has to work for us and it has to work for the particular players that we have and the workflow. So when they all marry together, it's, it's, it's great, but it yeah. doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have to be okay to use it, right? Obviously you need to get the buy-in because if they say, I don't want to use any of that stuff, then yeah. it's tough, right? So which bring kind of my, my last question is, you know, what are the best players and coaches that you guys work with and why? I always ask you that question. Um, I was curious. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to choose to be diplomatic and not actually mention specific players and specific coaches. But mm -hmm. what I am going to say is um, I love coaches that are open to uh, technology. I love mm -hmm. coaches that are open to have a conversation. Um, that are inquisitive themselves that are like, Hey, tell me, tell me about this. And, and what is this saying? And like, how can we use this? So, uh, coaches that are, are progressive in that sense, I really enjoy working with them. Um, and then players, I love players that are, are not just that I don't, I don't want robots for players. If I told them to do something, I don't want them just to do it. I want them to yeah. challenge me to convince them why this is actually going to make me perform better or why this is going to reduce my risk of injury. And so I, I, I don't like players that are just sheep that just kind of follow the shepherd. I, I want that uh, sheep that is kind of off course and you're, you're needing to kind of bring that sheep back onto course, but through conversation and through really challenging like the the principles of why this technology is helping them. So that that's my favorite player, favorite coach. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. These characteristics are both. I would say everyone everyone is a balance of the two, but I would say objective and non-emotional. Mm -hmm. Because football being our sport, it is a very emotional sport where our job as the medical and performance staff is to stay as objective as possible when it comes to um, recommendations or whether it's getting a player back on the field. And I feel that if you're objective, then you can have a conversation about the facts. And it's okay to be emotional, but not let those emotions run all of your decisions. I, I, I Obviously, I know there's a balance, um, and that's as far as like technical staff and the same with athletes. It's, can we have an open conversation of where you're at at this point? Oh, I want to play mm -hmm. like, but you have not hit these parts yet. So until you hit these parts, then we can move forward. Or, you know, like obviously each player has their own individual situation, whether it's contract, whether it's, you know, they have a relationship with this coach and they want to be able to play this game. But it's to be absolutely upfront with them 
and be objective, but at the same time, have an understanding that there is an emotional component behind it and then being able to relate to them on that level. But I would say more objective, a little less emotional would be mine. And that makes sense. So, well, look, uh, great insights. So I want to thank you for, for your time today and good luck with the season. Hey, All the thank best. You. It was really great. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.